0: Hello and welcome to the Outdoor Lives podcast. My name is Mike Crane, author of Nature of Snowdonia and uh, the forthcoming The Mountain Leader. The, this podcast is free to air, ad free, and music free. You can find out more about me and my workshops and e learning modules at mikecrane.co.uk or Patreon forward slash Mike Rain. Uh, my guest today is Derek Ryden. Derek is the inventor of Reflex Cell and the founder of Blizzard Protection Systems. Uh, Most will just sort of say Blizzard Baggers as shorthand, but I'm sure Derek will correct us on that. Uh, he's from Lancashire, but we won't hold that against him this morning. He started hillwalking very young, age 12, similar to myself, rock climbing, age 15. He's been climbing for 51 years. It's terrible when you say that, isn't it? Started inventing stuff aged eight, so we'll have to find out about that. He's worked as a teacher, property renovator, transport consultant, energy conservation researcher, but inventing is what he likes and what he does best. He founded Blizzard in 2000 to make this new design of emergency survival bags, which I'm sure listeners are familiar with. He also just incidentally invented Slugs, which is a, a slider nut that Face has made for a while. And the Ropeman. Many of you will be familiar with the Ropeman, the prussic device that, that Wild Country make. That's, that's been a handy little bit of kit. Derek is semi-retired now, still doing a bit of work, but still climbing, still inventing things, and playing the saxophone in his spare time like you do. Derek, uh, how are you today? Uh, not bad, thanks very much for having me. I'm dying to know what you started inventing at eight.
1: I, I was a bit of a weird kid. I think I always was sketching out inventions for spaceships driven by steam and stuff like this, all all sorts of random things. And it was a it was a bit of a joke, really. Obviously, you know, I also wanted to be an astronaut and a soldier and all the things you do at that age. Um, but to actually have become an inventor in later, really in later life, not to. I've done lots yeah. of other things in the meantime, as you can tell from the intro yeah um yeah I, I think the first thing there was a, a science program for kids on tele called tom tom and they had an inventors competition and i submitted a couple of inventions to that and uh I, they gave me they probably gave everybody a badge and a highly commended but i got that and it sort of encouraged me a lot um, and then the whole invention thing went on the the back burner really for 20 or 30 years while i was having a life and doing other things and then a, I realized i did actually have a talent and i could get somewhere with it
0: well you had a particular product didn't you that that was was just fantastic but well, before we get there how did you start climbing at 12 and sorry walking at 12 <laughs> and climbing at 15. did you have some you know was it folks or was it influences nearby
1: it was a bit of everything it it, it was very traditional as it, everything was in those days i wouldn't say it was typical i wasn't ever part of a mainstream or anything my parents liked to walk especially my godfather used to take us out we did think penny gent and coniston old man and a few things like that um and you know he, he he was keen on the outdoors um and then at school i was lucky to i went to a grammar school and had some really good teachers uh i was did gymnastics which i think helped the climbing a lot when i was younger but the gym teacher was um was also a rock climber and when you were older you could do it as a sport on wednesday afternoons which i which i did and it was when you look back on it it was terrifying for you know i mean how how they never had a serious accident i can't imagine um mostly top roping there was a few of us who were a bit more independent who read alan blackshaw and taught ourselves how to lead routes um but mostly it was top roping and waist belays and poles overlaid ropes and stuff um but i had another teacher who was also who was wasn't a climber but was into the outdoors and he used to take us hill walking we used to go to the dales and the lakes and more particularly up to sky a couple of times and and really got a taste for big mountains then um and i think i always wanted you know there was a sort of assumed progression in those days that you started off hill walking and then you learned to rock climb and then you went winter climbing and then you went to the alps and then if you were lucky you went to the greater ages and killed yourself you know it was a sort of uh linear thing and i, I was sort of on that ladder for a long time although I, I got off it before i got to the killing yourself stage thank god
0: well done Eric. well done and to keep this climbing and walking habit going you took various jobs like being a teacher and a transport consultant a property renovator what, what, Was was the climbing walking the is that what defines you is that the thing you do and the on the jobs are pretty much secondary really
1: um i wouldn't say so no i i i love climbing i get out of it but i i, I can stand about a week and then i get bored and i want to do one of the other things i'm interested in and I, I think that's one of the reasons i never got particularly good you know um when i go on holiday climbing I, I, a week's good two's starting to push it that wasn't the case when i was young i remember going up to sky with friends And they all had rest we were there for three and a half weeks and and they all had rest days and i just climbed every day walk massive walk-ins you know loads of stuff every day for three and a half weeks i don't know i must have had a much higher boredom threshold in those days i think (laughs) it was very good experience so you can come
0: in in the outdoors you've done various things i i do need to get to the the blizzard products um I tend to say the blizzard bag by shorthand, but, uh, when I'm coaching training people, I will say, blizzard smock for summer, blizzard blanket for leaders. Great. If you can get in a blizzard bag. So blizzard, how did it come about? What, what was the, you know, what was the breakthrough on the reflex cell? And, and why did that, why did, did you recognize you had something amazing and, and how did that work?
1: Hmm, where, where to begin? I mean, yeah, it, was no, invented, it, was it was invented. Was no, it was invented by me for the outdoors because I've had people come up to me and say, "Yeah, but where did it really come from? Wasn't it a spin-off from NASA, or did they used to? Did it come yeah. out of industry?" And, and no, it was actually developed for outdoor users like ourselves, and it spun out into the military and paramedics and the medical sectors. But it was yeah. initially designed to do just you know, put it in your rucksack. And have a way of um, a nice way of spending the night if you had to um i mean i'm from a scientific background and i've got a very the initial question was a very analytical one really and it it came from this observation that when you have traditional sleeping bags they you want them to be thick to trap a lot of air but you also wanted them to pack down very small and that's a contradiction so they're they're made out of materials which have this ability to spring back yeah and when you cr- when you crush up a normal sleeping a down bag or a synthetic one you're actually crushing it in random directions you know you you don't sort of lay it out and nice iron it flat or whatever it makes it, it puts a big limitation on the materials you can use and the the sort of insight was that if you could fold it in an ordered way rather than the random way you could you didn't have to have such special materials to do it and it was a, a way of looking for clever ways of folding if essentially a space blanket i mean you know we, i don't like to compare it with a space blanket mm. but it, it's a you know it did derive from that the problem with a space blanket is well one of the many problems is it doesn't trap any air so yeah. and especially if you pull it tight against your skin you've got zero actual insulation it, it does reflect heat if you use it right they're terribly fragile etc cetera, etc cetera. so it was a way of trying to improve on that in a way that had cells that trapped air and i experimented with quite a lot of different designs um i didn't do a lot of testing i did go out on dartmoor one night when it snowed and me, the original prototype fell to pieces and I, I sacked it off at about four o'clock in the morning i couldn't stand anymore um, but the what actually happened what made a big difference was incorporating the elastic and suddenly i had a product which had a sort of body and and worked and how i how i came across that was almost an accident um were you
0: when you started out were you trying to design a sleeping bag or a, an emergency bivy bag
1: no an emergency baby bag yeah that, that was at, always a plan. yeah yes at that stage there was there were sleeping bags which were bulky and yeah. probably warmer than you needed and didn't want to get them wet. There were polythene bivy bags, which were very robust and kept the wind off, but very, you know, not warm. And yeah. there were the sort of Gore-Tex fancy bivy bags, which again, didn't keep you warm. Although they were, I know I couldn't, I've never, to this day, I've never been able to afford a Gore-Tex bivy bag, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's another story. Um, so yeah, it was trying to f- put something that ticked those boxes, but it was it was designed as an emergency product with the awareness that you know i, I always had this hope that people doing extreme events or alpine climbing would would use it in place of a, a sleeping bag plus a baby bag and that's it's happened a bit not a lot most people use them for emergencies
0: yeah i mean they're really popular for this is a feedback that i've heard through my rescue teams in north wales that if a casualty arrives at asbury gwyneth in a blizzard bag they're treated for their injuries if they don't arrive in a blizzard bag, they're treated for hypothermia, and then we have a look at the injuries. So, why is it so good? Um, a space blanket, I guess, is okay when you've just finished a, a marathon and you want something to keep you as you are for a few, for a little while. Why yeah. is a blizzard bag? I mean, it actually seems to warm people up. You put your hand in one, and it feels warm. It's amazing. How does it work?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, people draw this distinction between ki- maintaining the the heat you've got or actually increasing the warmth. But from the point of view of physics, it's the same thing. You're just blocking heat escaping, and um, space blankets do it by reflecting radiated heat. And they, uh-huh. you know, they use this advertising strap line: reflects ninety percent of rivet radiated heat. But you you lose less than fifty percent of your heat through radiation. So it might be ninety percent, but it's only ninety percent of forty percent or something um a regular sleeping bag blocks heat by as we said having a, an insulating air barrier and this yeah. also does that and it and anything even a polythene bag stops uh wind chill and it stops evaporation to some extent yeah. so so it does that too and it's also a lot more practical than a space blanket because if you've ever had the misfortune to spend a night in a space blanket as I have or had before mm-hmm. i invented this you they they tend to blow away, they tend to tear, you've got to manage them somehow. Uh yeah. um you can get bags made out of the same material now, which are marginally better. Um yeah. but you've got all those issues. So it, it's it's the old physics, conduction, convection, radiation, it, it blocks heat by all of those uh um, mediums.
0: Well it's it's a fantastic piece of kit. I suppose people grumble they can't get it back to the vacuum packed size in which they <laughs> carry it. But if it's an emergency kit have people fed that back to you and how do they deal with that
1: um well there are first of all there is a way of getting it pretty small if you're, yeah. if you're really bothered and i might as well say that for now for what it's worth uh take it turn it inside out to make sure it's really thoroughly dry put it back the right way get your vacuum cleaner holes put a tea towel over it stick it in the mouth of the bag This doesn't work for blankets obviously but and it sucks most of the air out and makes yeah. it a lot smaller and then you roll it up, and it will be bigger than it was when you bought it but a lot smaller than if you just try and stuff it um stuffing it it's not a bad thing to do. it still weighs next to nothing so yeah. you know it, it it's only the bulk that's a the problem there um yeah. and you can reuse them many times the, the most ex there was a guy who ran from land's end to john of groats unsupported and <laughs> he used one of our bags and that was his only i don't think he took a t- he didn't take a tent or anything wow. and i think it, it took him several weeks yeah and he sent it back to us and he was absolutely wrecked how, how he could have spent a night in it towards the end i don't know but that's you know that's what he was made of so you can if you if you're careful with them you can reuse yeah. them quite a lot although i wouldn't recommend using them for three solid weeks
0: no, that's a lot. Is that? That's yeah, a, that's yeah. awesome. very, I, I wish I could
1: remember his name. I'd give him a plug, but we were yeah, very... I, we were a,
0: on the courses, on the workshops, I run a few first-day courses and some emergency hazards in the mountains, and I tend to just take the smocks out. I sort of lie on them when I get back. <laughs> get them all on the floor <laughs> yes. and lie on yeah. them, and, them up and then put a Velcro strap round. So, yeah. so, you know, they do. They are reusable in that sense. Um, but really, if it saved a life, i think people are to blizzard to go and just buy another one <laughs> oh,
1: that's nice of you to say so although i don't know i mean there's an environmental issue because i'm i'm not very proud to have made a single use disposable plastic product uh, that's very hard to re- recycle but um so i think yeah no use it as much as you can but um, yeah okay. maybe maybe buy another one to carry for real emergencies
0: So if you do use it, use it for at least training or something. Don't just straight away. Yeah, I've I've
1: got one in the back of my car and when I buy frozen stuff from the supermarket, I just wrap (laughs) it in that and it's it's you know, it will stay frozen for a couple of days, which is really useful. So when did you realize
0: how good it was Derek and and what did you do next?
1: Well, it's amazing how slow the process is, you know, I I mean I knew it worked I knew it was fairly good and I thought wow great everybody's going to want one of these and and there's no competition there's nothing else in that niche and then you sort of realize that yeah there's no competition but there's also no market you know mm. if you're bringing out a variation on a carabiner or I don't know a waterproof everybody knows what it is they know what it's for and they see why it's better or worse than another one but this it didn't really sit in any any particular niche and it took a very very long time to get uh, established and it's still happening now because now it's it's branched out from the outdoor world into the medical pre-hospital world and even that is still consolidating itself you know 20 odd years later you know I mean because I don't work at Blizzard every day I was just talking to somebody this morning to make sure I got my facts right on this you know but it's it's been used by the helicopter the hems people. It's been used in hazardous response. It's every Welsh ambulance carries one. Um, it's being used in Ukraine because they're getting a lot of um, well, they've got problems with power, obviously, and keeping people warm. so it's even more important than it would otherwise be. A so lot of the Welsh mountain rescue teams carry it. But even though' getting it into the ambu- it was already being used in mountain rescue and the outdoors and the military medical people picked up on it very quickly Uh, but it's taken a decade or two to get it uh, another decade to get it into civilian paramedics so it's it's very slow it is really slow isn't it
0: but from that first you were making them yourself presumably initially how do you go from making one or two yourself to make sure it works to setting up a factory and turning them
1: out that was something that i i didn't want to do as as we said i'd invented a couple of other products in the past and i'd managed to license them to outdoor manufacturers yeah Uh, it was easier because they were sort of metal products and metal bashing is something lots of companies do you know it's not difficult to find somebody who'll do it what i didn't realize with this is that to invent the product was one thing but it needed a new industrial process to make it um so there was a second stage of invention then there was the whole business side which i never wanted to be a businessman and i'm glad i'm not anymore in a way uh, yeah. and i i consider myself a, a, i was just about good enough to get the company going and keep it going long enough for people to who knew better than me to uh, to make a proper a successful company out of it um I've lost my train of thought there. What was well, it?
0: how about? did you set the company up? So, did you sell your house, mortgage your house? Did you get some investors? You know, you come to me and you say you've got a new bag to that's going to save lives. It's a hard sell, Derek. How do you, um, you know, how do you get money out of people's pockets to invest in it?
1: Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons that I moved to North Wales at that stage. I mean, I wanted to move for the outdoors and because I got friends there but also there was a climate in the days of the eu there was european money for was thing called the slate valleys initiative for one thing they uh gave us a significant grant um yeah we and 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 the fact is we didn't really know what we were doing you know what i mean we sort of made it up as we went along and and it failed a lot of times we could the industrial machinery to make it we had to subcontract that to somebody to make it and it didn't work it took basically three iterations to get that right um and we didn't do well financially because initially the outdoors was our market and we got a nice little sales curve that went up healthily and that was selling to outdoor shops and it lasted a few months and then all the outdoor shops had got them you know they got half a dozen ten and a half a dozen each and they weren't really selling through because nobody knew about it we got we got a couple of good reviews but it's very very slow to prime that market um and what saved us at that stage is i think we we're at Harrogate, one of the outdoor shows and um there was an emergency planner from the local a local authority who happened to be there said this is just what we need mm-hmm. when the gas works is uh you know people are evacuated because there's a chemical leak or something and they still some of these local authorities still had world war ii i think some had world war one woollen blankets full of (laughs) moths that had been sitting in a in a container for years and years and years yeah um and some were more modern so they had some had sleeping bags but they were big and but they had basically had to have a container full of sleeping bags whereas they could have a box with 50 of our products in And i'll admit it's not as comfortable as a sleeping bag and it's a bit noisy but for these um, evacuation centers it was a really good solution so that kept the company going and then the markets it slumped again because they'd all got them yeah (laughs) we sold the product to more than half the local authorities in the country and and they don't have that many emergencies so they didn't sell through and what saved us finally was the military medical market because mm-hmm. this would be in the about 2005 or six, there was um a lot of research coming back from Afghanistan that survived I mean, it's what you just said about uh um, survivability mm-hmm. was affected enormously by the body temperature. Because yeah. I think even in Mountain Rescue at that time, up until that time comfort and temperature was seen as a bit of a nice to have you know what I mean your your job was to treat the injuries and sort of shock and try you know you didn't want somebody to freeze to death but it it, they they had to man up and put up with being cold and this research coming back from Afghanistan said no it's not a comfort issue it's not a nice to have it makes a huge difference to mortality it yeah. stops your blood coagulating and you you know if you're bleeding out you lose more blood more quickly etc etc so suddenly they were looking for a solution um and we were as i say we sold a 51 we were in trouble i was I was at the stage of paying workers off my credit card you know it was really really dangerous at that stage yeah. um but we an american company that specialized in importing new in new startup inventions and also had links to the us military sort of joined the dots they could see that there was a they were looking for a product they could see we had a product and they bought us very very cheap actually um but it was the best thing we ever did because because they, they were also our biggest purchasers at that stage. They bought it, took it to America, sold it to the military. So they weren't out to rip us off. They didn't want to drive the price down because they owned half of our company. So it was a real win win. Um, and that's when we realized we were on to something. Um, yeah, it's quite a journey, isn't it? Because yeah, if
0: you sell every UK climber hill hillwalker blizzard bag, then
1: that's it, because they all yeah. walk around hoping and they're never going to use it. Yeah, and one in a hundred uses one in a year. You know, yeah, so it's it's a it's a poor market, um, and it's now somebody. I just I most of the we're not in many of the shops because it doesn't sell through fast enough for them to give it shelf space it's not like a north face jacket you know what i mean yeah. they, they probably only make five or ten quid on it and it's yeah. it's there all year um most of the outdoor users tend to buy direct from us online yeah. and it's literally about a quarter of a percent of our business so we're not an outdoor company anymore no, even though 0. we were. yeah
0: That is amazing uh we do encourage people to buy direct because very generously there's a discount for mount leaders mountaineering instructors certainly through mta Um, i I think it's probably with ami as well but um, that's that's how people do it
1: yes and we found the same with first aid instructors and outdoor first aid instructors you know they in the past we used to sell to them at a discount and they would sell it on but it's too much of a faff now we just give them a discount code and uh, and it works very well i mean i say it's only a quarter of a percent of the business it financially it's a bit more than that because we uh-huh. we don't have to sell at an absolute rock bottom price we we it's cheaper than whole than retail but more expensive than the wholesale price yeah so it, it works for everybody
0: and then there are still people coming who've never heard of them. I, you know, five, twelve 12 people on a first aid course. You know, there's two thirds are, are not familiar with the Blizzard products and, and how good yeah. they are. So, you know, there is still growth to be had here, but uh, I guess it'll always be limited to some point. Really good to see it in the ambulance service now. Um, and I think that feedback that you've said there, particularly from Afghanistan, is, is slow filtering into first aid courses. You know, I still find an obsession with injuries and illnesses where i'm more and more thinking that the first thing we need to do is get people on a mat and in some sort of blizzard product and then have a look at their injuries you know like the mat in hospital it seems to be the way to go
1: yeah that i mean that i'm not a medic but that fits with what i know yeah. i mean obviously if you've got catastrophic bleeding or somebody's yeah. not yeah. not breathing then you deal yeah. with that first but really yeah. once you've dealt with the immediate concerns you know don't worry about broken wrists or whatever get get somebody warm
0: given
1: delays in getting people in front of a medical professional these days sorry i say that again
0: actually given the delays uh oh my God, up, yeah you know. yeah
1: yeah no it's crazy at the moment i mean I it has it's transferred to my behavior i'm taking fewer risks at the moment because yeah. i know that i can't rely on an ambulance you know it's, uh, it's
0: I should say to um, listeners that uh, we're recording this in January and Derek is in a room that's got a climbing wall with a roof section (laughs) and I can see a sewing machine behind his head. So when Derek says reducing risk, (laughs) (laughs) it's failed to other people. (laughs) (laughs) Derek, I just have one sort of personal odd question. Was there anything before 2000? Were there some... um, prototypes around i'm sure i saw blizzard bag before 2000 is that when it actually started
1: it's unlikely but it's possible yeah at the time i invented it i was living in exeter and the very first ones i sort of made literally by hand with tape and stuff and they just to prove well actually at that stage i just made sections of material that i could test Um, but to make the first prototypes I had to build a kind of big jig which rotated and it took up half my living room floor literally (laughs) and it was all stuck together with sticky tape and it it took that I could make a bag in about six hours which sounds a lot but it was enough to make five or ten and send them out to people um and I did send I sent them out to people I knew in the trade in a way it's conceivable you might have seen one then that would have been about what would have been nine god it's scary to say 19 isn't it 19 yeah. 95, 96 something like that um yeah, it, yeah it's, it's possible it's possible that you would have seen yeah. one but it, it wasn't there were none of the factory made commercial ones available till about 2001 i think OK, so
0: typically the oldest blizzard bag around now will be 22 years old. Yeah. And if you open it up, is it as good as new or is it useless?
1: Yeah, no, it, we we've got a, an, a dwindling supply of very, very early ones. Um I think the oldest we've opened up to now is about 15 years and it, it was just as good as uh, as usual, which is not to be taken for granted, you know, because it's got no, things like yeah. adhesive tape in that that yeah. could. Degrade. Um, it's all. It's worth mentioning. Yeah, if if it's packed, factory packed properly, we suck all the air out, yeah. and it, it's vacuum packed, and that should enable it to last longer. Um, it doesn't stay that way, you know. If you have one in a, a bag, the the outer packaging gets damaged, and it goes a bit puffy. And the message here is, don't worry about that. We're sorry. We wish we could find a way of keeping it vacuum packed, but if yours loses its vacuum, don't panic. Um, and they appear to last just as long, even in that yeah, condition.
0: Yeah. They last a long time. Um, were the times where you were thought about giving up?
1: Well, I thought I was going to have to give up because uh, I would say we were running out of money. That was uh, that was yeah. the worst time. Um, I don't know. Partly, I think I was unemployable by that stage, so I had to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> really? um, uh, yeah, was giving up. No, as I say, it nearly happened for us, and and God knows my life would be very different. I mean, I'm I'm not rich; I've not made a fortune, but I'm I'm just about able to retire now. And if that had all gone down the pan, I God knows what I would have done instead. I don't know.
0: We we're, we're, we're coming to your million pound sale of the business and retirement to
1: the south of France shortly. Yeah, if only. <laughs> there, there was a time because the way it worked is I got a royalty out of every blizzard bag that was sold for 20 years which is what you normally get on the patent and um yeah there were a few years where i would i would consider myself pretty well off um mm-hmm. but uh now i'm having to live off my capital and it's uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never as much as you'd like it to be you no, know it isn't <laughs> which is one of, the, one of the reasons why i'm sort of trying to still invent some more things and uh, yes. and see if i can get a second bite at the cherry um
0: I worry, one of the frustrating things
1: presumably you've got no idea how successful
0: the product has been in terms of making a difference in terms of saving a life is that data that's just completely can you get that data i mean is it is it a guess or
1: if i had to guess i mean we we we've we've definitely saved a significant number of lives I would think it must be in the hundreds if you include yeah. military casualties, and and uh, it may be more than I don't, you know, if it was a thousand, that would be brilliant, but uh, yeah. I, it's certainly not in the tens or twenties. um it's As forgetting the debt yeah, I suppose you could do a proper estimate, but it would need a, somebody with a research head and and a few yeah. weeks to spare, and uh, I I'm I'm not going to pay them, and neither is the company at the moment. No, <laughs> no.
0: I mean, these days, everything comes with feedback forms and emails, doesn't it? But you're not going to have 23 years of
1: business. No, we don't. And, um, mm. and a lot of them, I don't know how seriously they're taken. A lot of it's about quality. You know, if you've got a quality system in place, part of the requirement is that you, you have feedback, which is why you get all these irritating emails about, you know, how was your service, you know, how many stars. And we, we do that, but we get precious little feedback, yeah. to be honest.
0: Well, most, no, nobody wants to use your product, do they? That's the sort of conundrum, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, that is a problem.
0: But uh, when they do, I say the feedback has just been fantastic from, from the hospital. Um, was there a moment where, was there a best moment? Was there a moment where, a eureka moment? Was that in the invention or was that in the financial survival?
1: That, well, the invention mainly, because that's what, uh, what floats my yeah. boat, I suppose. When when you finally get something, and you know. Because cause a lot of inventing is about weeding out the rubbish. You know, it, anybody can invent something, but actually yeah. it's about rejecting the ones that aren't up to scratch. And when you do finally see that this one really is going to work, that, that's a great feeling. Uh-huh. Um, when we got rescued financially, that was another one. Um, but no, it's it's feedback like this that's really encouraging when you when you come across somebody who's actually used them or knows of people who have and you get Mm. uh, get strong feedback it would be lovely to have that statistic as to how many has lives saved although but it's Mm. you know it's not as simple as that is it because it's not like our product was the only thing that saved their life so it's uh, there are complicating factors
0: yeah yeah it's too difficult to get that data well they're very well received though they really are um so moving on then you you're not part of blizzard protection systems now you you keep your hand in obviously and you do a little bit chat there and and you're you're inventing for fun is there anything you can tell us about that or is
1: it all top secret oh i should be careful what i say shouldn't i well there's the elusive perfect belay device which has been a a, an obsession of mine for as long Mm -hmm. as blizzard has been going so it's um you know it's a it's a double rope oh, sorry it's a twin rope device that does everything that uh a grigri does for one rope and more and is light and whatever and um i don't know i've got friends at dmm and every year i take a new another idea to them and they go oh this is really really good yeah we think yeah we might be interested in this but we've got so many projects on at the moment we don't have time to do it and i don't know i don't know if it'll ever happen it's I, i've got a shed full of tons of met, literally tons probably a hundred pieces of junk that i've made that uh, that may or may not ever come to fruition so that that's one thing um i'm working on an arborist device for tree workers um that may or may not come to fruition i'm working on a tourniquet which is sort of you know working coming from the medical you know learning about the medical field from blizzard yeah. um that has got a chance i think um yeah. so yeah lots to keep me busy sounds really good that
0: was um was a blizzard by your first love your passion or would you rather have made this belay device and the
1: rope man? you know was the medical... <laughs> yeah no if i'm hand on heart i i'm more of a mechanical person than uh, than whatever blizzard is described as an and more of an inventor than a, a businessman so yeah there's nothing i like better than playing around in the shed and having having ideas and it's i've got a very poor memory i sometimes find find that i've just repeated something i did 10 years ago because i didn't take proper notes on, on what i did yeah um so yeah there's a lot of pleasure in in just the, the faffing about and if if it comes if something comes of it that's a bonus really
0: and, and you've got time to
1: faff about now no (laughs) there's never enough time to faff about no it's it's actually quite difficult because i have to create the time you know i've got family commitments and lots of other things going on and my health isn't always as good as i want it to be and and so yeah you have to sort of be disciplined i remember having a chat with trevor jones that some people might Remember, was big in the climbers' club, and because he had a family, and yet he used to seem to climb all over the world all the time. And he said, "You know, you just got to be ruthless. You know, yeah. you just got to do it." And the same's true to some extent for. I mean, it's true of climbing. You know, um, yeah. And I'm not ruthless enough with my climbing. I don't do enough of it. No. Um. But it, with with inventing, yeah, you sort of have to see it as a job. You know, and get up at nine. Well, no, sorry. Get get to work at nine o'clock and actually yeah. put some hours in. Otherwise, it doesn't happen.
0: Well, I'm really grateful for your time this morning, Derek. It's fantastic meeting you and, and having this conversation. And uh, so, you know, myself and the people that I work with and associate with up in North Wales are still really big advocates for the Blizzard products, you know, and we do push them as so much as we can, even though I guess that doesn't um, affect you financially. I'm sure there's a lot of pride there. It's It's been a fantastic thing. Is there, is there anything else that, you know, we think, think we should share with uh sort of mountain leaders mountaineer instructors or sort of people who might be listening today don't matter if they're in you know i know it's no without. well
1: uh, i mean i think you probably know how to use it as much as anybody it's it's um it's important to say it's it's not like all like down bags and other things it crushes beneath you body and it's important to get some insulation under the casualty as well as wrapping them in this it's so it's not perfect in that respect we did look at uh, there are ways of making mats you know semi-disposable inflatable mats and that's a project that i put some time into but nobody seems willing to you know it would be a very good compliment to a blizzard bag put it that way but in the meantime, you can improvise. As, as
0: We're using, well, I'm pushing five mil closed cell phone pad. Uh, you can actually buy it for carpet underlay. So yeah. you get a reasonable price on the internet. It's obviously multi-use as well. It's really quite hard yes. wearing. And the five mil stuff folds down a lot smaller um, than the stuff that traditionally would have been used in a, a sleeping mat, a carry mat. So that's that's pretty good, five mil closed cell phone pad. And you can carry a meter square, and that will yeah. go on somebody's trunk first head yeah. knee on it you can yeah. lie for lunch you know it's uh,
1: absolutely anything
0: that pairs um, up really nicely
1: yeah 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 but it's yeah it's relative it'd be nice to have something that was the size of a cigarette packet wouldn't it rather than a uh than what, however much room that takes up um, Showing your
0: age, you now know what much cigarette packet is
1: <laughs> well i've never smoked myself but, uh, yeah it, it does show me age i suppose
0: we, all, we but, always say blizzard bags about the size of a vhs I was um, going to say that, yeah, because yeah, well, you get some blank faces now for some of been, the younger
1: people. Suddenly, it's history, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Well, before we turn it into old men grumbling on, Derek, we better leave it there. So uh, I agree. So much for talking to us this morning, Jochen Bauer.
1: Yeah, and you too. Thanks very much, Foot Mike.